Welcome to Exploring Possibilities. It's your host, Cheryl Sitz, back again for another show where we explore all kinds of possibilities for living a more holistic, spiritually centered life. And boy, is that a game changer. We talk with all kinds of authors and coaches and and everyday people who can help us expand what's possible in our lives. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play, and also rate the show so others can find us. And we will continue in just a sec. Have you ever gone to a social media seminar and you have the online experts telling you, get a blog, get a website, get on social media, all this other stuff. By the time you're done with that seminar, that online expert is very good at frying your brain. <laughs> the funny part is, you come back home, you get in front of the computer, and you're lost. Hi, I am Mario with Tech Life Balance. I see this all the time. You spend so much money and still don't know what is going on with your online presence. And you know, you probably don't need all of that. Let me go ahead and translate geek to english for you and show you what you really need because you don't need it all. You probably only need a few components. You have a great message out there and I would like to hear it and I definitely want to help you put it out there. I am Mario Rosales with techlifebalance.net. I produce this podcast because I love distributing messages. Let me help you distribute your message. Who are you? Why are you here? What wonders and opportunities await you beyond physical death? What happened millennia ago to create the damaged earth and fractured societies you see around you? Empowering, enlightening, internationally acclaimed, the Joseph Communications books offer answers to these questions. Spiritual, concise, contemporary, non-denominational, the communications originate from Joseph, a highly evolved discarnate spirit concerned for you and the future of the planet and its peoples. The words of Joseph and his soul group give you the power to bring light and change into your own life and the lives of others and to restore the earth. Available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, the communications can be ordered today at www.thejosephcommunications.com and also from Amazon and other major booksellers. All proceeds are used for further publishing and advertising and to make the communications available worldwide. Boy, have we got some fun events coming up. A women's wisdom circle that meets on Zoom so you can join us from anywhere in the world. And we alternate full moon and new moon cycles. That's absolutely free. We've got a workshop coming up in the woodlands in just four weeks where you can learn to create what you want with joy and ease. And Mario and I have some stuff coming up too, a free drumming circle at White Eagle Lodge in late June, and a shamanic talk and sound ceremony in Spring, Texas in early July. That's just a sampler. You can find out all about these at journeyofpossibilities.com on the events tab. And while you're there, click that register tab too and sign up for our monthly newsletter. You'll never miss a thing. Well, speaking of Mario, he's actually with me today. Hello, everybody. (laughs) All right, and he's on the show today because he is how I met today's guest. Stephanie Torkelson has been interested in the metaphysical realm for a long time and does listen to our show. And last year, she approached Mario and they approached me about having her on the show to talk about the tragic loss of her son, Dallas. 
He was what Stephanie calls an easy kid, very independent, rarely got sick, got himself up and ready for school every day and got to the bus stop early because, as he said, I've got to be the first one there. He played football in his Woodlands, Texas high school, enjoyed video games like Halo and World of Warcraft, had a sister and two brothers. Sounds like a pretty average teen, right? Traveled a bit after graduating high school, worked a few basic jobs. Suddenly he got very sick in his early 20s and it progressed until she lost him at the age of 22. So now Mother Stephanie is with us to share his story and keep his memory alive. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks, Cheryl. It's good to be here. Thank you for being here. What a what a brave woman to come and talk about what can't be an easy subject, but you, you said you really felt compelled to share this. Um, I, I hardly know where to jump in here. It, it's kind of confusing. It sounds almost like he passed away of natural causes of some kind of illness. Can you kind of give us a little more information what happened? Sure, absolutely. And that's probably why I'm really compelled to you know share his story. Um, like I said, had said he's very independent. He was very independent and uh, wasn't somebody who um, was chronically ill. And I say that because of a daughter who is. She has chronic severe asthma. So she was the one where we had to spend a lot of time on that, a lot of time in the hospital, a lot of time with doctors, and a lot of time uh, times dealing with medicine and something called a nebulizer, which is a breathing machine. Uh, um, it uh, does uh, treatments for somebody. So she uses that like every night. So for him, uh, he was just super independent and didn't have any – you just would never know that something later would come in. You just wouldn't think that. So when it did, around age 21 – um, I, you know, it, it progressed really fast and I feel like it just, it, it got away from me. And if I can help anybody else with maybe some of the signs that started happening, uh, maybe this would help somebody else. Okay. So you say it came in and progressed very quickly. What is it and how did he ultimately die? Because I really haven't shared any of that yet. I felt like that would be better for you to share in the context of what you saw happening. Right. So he, what it, it appears to be schizophrenia and, um, it appears to be the type where you hear voices and then, you know, they're just saying, usually with schizophrenics, I guess it's pretty extreme. They can be, the voices can say really funny things, I guess, but usually they're pretty mean. They're pretty evil or pretty down negative type things. And so this thing started happening to him around age 21. And I believe it's schizophrenia because um, my mother has it. And hers is oh. called mild delusional. And I do believe that I read that it usually skips a generation. Mm. And it comes in late teens, early 20s. You, there are no schizophrenic children except for a very few. Um, I have followed one, um, her life story, um, because it was you know really interesting, very rare. It was on the Oprah show. But other than that, it's just not, you don't see schizophrenic children because it comes in, you know, late teens, early 20s. So in my you know, I never imagined that um, this would have come in. Right. So I've actually had that happen to a couple of friends near me where it is, it's like flipping a switch. All of a sudden, once the teenage years are passed and they reach early 20s, bam, everything changes. In this case... He took his own life, correct? 
Yes. So at this point, you know, at 22, he did take his own life. And this was not drugs or drug use or an overdose. He hung himself. Um, and he's, you know, he wasn't like um, ever in the Army or Navy or something to where he would sort of know how to work, I don't know, knots or I don't know. Just It just seemed very like, how did he even learn how to do this? Because he used a metal chain, uh, planned it out, did it, and didn't say a word to anybody that he was going to do it. I had no, you know, forewarning or anything like that. We just walked in on a Monday and he had done it, uh, presumably Friday night. So he, he was there for all of a Saturday and then all of a Sunday. And then we found him Monday morning. So... For for me to, you know, see him Friday, um, he lived in this warehouse. There was an efficiency apartment in there, and it's where I work. And I would, he got to a point where he really just couldn't work. He couldn't, he didn't want to see people. He didn't bathe or shower. He was kind of hoarding and not throwing things away, so living in kind of dirtiness. Um, he had this dog that would, you know, kind of protect him and not let people around and, it was just, you know, kind of getting worse and worse. Um, but he was a very attractive guy and like the football guy in high school and all the all the girls liked him and he was like the popular guy. So, um, if to you know, if he had always been like lowly or bullied in life or something like that, I might go, oh, you know, that he's just, just to see him kind of go from, you know, the life of the party and just slowly kind of fade away like that and... I thought it was a phase. I thought it was depression. Um, he had had a girlfriend, but then they broke up. Um, so I thought maybe he's just trying to find himself. Uh, maybe it's a dark night of the soul. Um, these things I've seen. Um, I've also seen people just kind of decline, and they just live a life that's just sort of a low-level life. It just is, and they, that's just what they do. You can't push you know, your standards on people. And so I really didn't know what to do with it. He's not a person who would go to the doctor, and he wouldn't play along with any of that. Well, so, I'm curious, since this is a holistic show, did he take the medications and all of that that are recommended for schizophrenics? Was he on any kind of medication? or No. No. Nope. He wouldn't uh, p- play along with any of that. Mm-hmm. He would, uh, in the note he left, he said, Um, You know, I'm being attacked by demons. The one in particular, he called him Red, and he did start telling me about Red, but he wouldn't tell me what they were saying. I couldn't get that out of him. Um, And he said, please don't call this mental illness. These demons are real. And so, you know, I kind of would ask, you know, questions as they came to me, but I kind of didn't know what to ask. But I was just, he was starting to slip away more and more. And in his note, he said, my mind is missing. I don't know where it's gone. You know, it's a, two, it's a two-page letter, so I don't know, you know, how much I really need to read to you guys, but I don't mind sharing any of it because it's somebody's journey, and it's so real. He just puts it all out there. So um, there's nothing – I don't feel ashamed about any of it because I just feel like somebody might be going through this right now. Absolutely. Well, thank you, know, you for being so open oh, to this. I, I would actually be fine with putting the content of the letter on the blog post that we post on journeyofpossibilities.com. So wherever 
listeners might be coming through onto this show. If you would like to go to journeyofpossibilities.com and look at this episode, I will have that in the post so you can see the letter. I really commend you for sharing this. This can't be easy, Stephanie. You know, I go through all kinds of emotions. You're almost super sad. And then it's like, well, he really believed in... I, I believe um, he might have been being told by the demons or or if it's just your own subconscious mind that says it, but I believe he was being told to hurt us, his different family members, and possibly me. So there's this other side of saying where in the letter he says he just cannot, he hates this evil worse than anything he could ever tell, tell us, and that um, he was going to, quote, I'm going to go fuck this evil up end quote, Uh, as in, you know, he knows it's on the other side or in the ethers or in outer space or wherever this um, demonic body, he said there's more than one, wherever they are, he's going to go there and quote, fuck them up. So I guess beat them up or (laughs) kick some butt or whatever. And I've never seen anything like this. I've never heard anybody's story be like that or, and so I thought, I mean, did he protect us? Because he was starting to slip away to where the Dallas we knew wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and so. Well, there it, is a, there, there are a lot of practitioners who work with this kind of illness that are more open to the metaphysical realm, the spiritual realm that say that schizophrenia and these other quote unquote mental illnesses are really about having more openness to, they're more open, they're more wide open, there's less resistance on their part to be able to control all the messages that are coming and going or discern through them, filter through them. So if we see it that way, if we subscribe to that, that he was this wide open channel getting these messages, I'm sure it was very frustrating and terrifying for him to manage it. You know, in the shamanic sense also, they, they talk about a lot of shamans when they get their their awareness that they, they are who they are, they wind up being connected. And sometimes that channeling of the energy is where some people get lost. I mean, there's they get so connected that because they, the, the shamans travel the world, they, they travel the different worlds. And right. when they get so connected, sometimes they get lost in it. So they always have those grounding mechanisms for themselves. And it's been a lot of the symptoms of what you're talking about. It's some of the things that I've heard in some of the shaman circles that, that, uh, that I read about and hear about a lot too. So it's, it's very powerful in that sense. You know, the, what happens now in our society though, when we get into, into those type of situations, we, we medicate them. Or, uh, and sometimes we forget the value of being that connectedness, and it's a matter of channeling that. According to the shamans, that that's what usually is the best way to deal with that. And it's you know, but uh, we all have we all come here for lessons, and who knows what the lesson was for him? Like with me, my brother got killed, and it brought me my awareness to myself. So who knows who he's affecting? You know, maybe it's something with what you're doing now with this message also. Right. I would encourage everybody who is listening to this, if you're the least bit interested in that type of thing, uh, like the shamanic journey or schizophrenia or suicide prevention or um, 
maybe seeing the signs ahead of time or any of that type of stuff to definitely read the letter that we put up that he left. It's just really, I've never seen uh, a, a letter like this. I don't, you know, I've not just haven't ever experienced something like this. He says like in the letter, he says, you know, that uh, I promise to be the most sure about what I know more than, than anyone who has ever lived on this planet. This planet is not what it seems. It is an evil place, an ignorant place. You could call it some mental disorder, but I hope you believe me. He is very real. They all are. He has kept me locked down for too long. I cannot operate like a normal person. My mind is missing, and he won't reveal why this has happened. So, I mean, if, if somebody's like a psychiatrist who knows, who's listening to this and and they know what that really maybe means within the brain structure with that, I think it's called a hypothalamus. I'm not sure, but there's different, you know, obviously, you know, sections within your brain and maybe one of them shuts down. Well, and, it's, it's interesting to me. So you could get so many different kinds of responses to this. If we, if sure. we look to answers, of course, science is going to mm-hmm. have one thing to say about what might be actually physically happening within his body and his, his chemistry inside and how that being out of whack could, and, and then the spiritual community is going to say what they're going to say about it. And then the, there's the galactic community and that these are, these are beings mm-hmm. that are trying to take control of earth. And I mean, right. there's, there's so many different schools of thought. And my position is if it's real for you, it's real because it's your experience. And if it's real right. to you, then it's your reality. And in that sense, that's what I mean when I say we create our reality. So in his reality, it doesn't even really matter which answers. We, we will never probably know exactly what was going on inside of him. But in right. his it, reality, it he did what he believed was right. It feels very astral plane, yeah. like you're tapping into the astral plane. He says, I know this place is the beginning, and there is more to come after death. I must stop him. I am not scared. Through this process, I have become the best version of myself, but I cannot have it here on this planet. So whatever that means, you know, and he, I'm going to stop him, and I am not scared. And boy, he put on a suit, his best suit with the shoes, and ate his last meal, which I saw the plate when I got back to work that morning. There was a plate of half-eaten food, his favorite, like chicken fingers, that I had bought him, and his favorite sodas. He had had like three or four of them. I mean, he he did this thing. He wasn't scared. This is just really extreme, pretty extreme. And he had always been very soldiery like that and very sure. And like like I said, he, he would get up early and go to the bus stop. And I said to him one morning, I said, Dallas, you know, you could sleep in and get like 10 minutes extra sleep. You know, I would. Um, you always get up and he goes, oh, I have to be the first one there. <laughs> And uh, I just thought, well, okay. And then he would always want to be the first one to have, like, some certain video game or something like that, you know. So he was very out in the front, very Aries, God of War. He's, I really would believe him when he says, I am not scared. Mm-hmm. However, I don't, I don't want this to be the outcome of what happened to my son. But I'm sitting here with it, and I just have to have, I have to sit with it because I can't change any of it. Well, Stephanie, you really brought this to where I was going to go next, which is if we believe that there are no accidents and that it's all either by divine design or by our own design or by some design. Right. Have you sat with the question of, uh, I mean, this yes. is for <laughs> which you. Which brings me to what I was going <laughs> to, funny how that works. Yeah. So 
my in my personal inner work that I've done in my life, I'm I'm now 41. So I've got a let's say I started at say 20 or say 25. I have a lot of predestination type stuff in my life. I was shown what was going to happen. Uh, I do like some automatic writing. It comes through. By the way, this stuff has been blocked from me for a while. I'll get into that too. I was a singer and an automatic writing person, and all that's been quite blocked since this stuff started with my son. Uh, like we're connected energetically, and I'm quite shut down emotionally, but I'm trying to tap into you know, the, the higher self here. But anyway, back to that. Um, I've had um, just too many things that were very specific revealed to me, and then sure enough, they happen. How that happens, I have no idea. I have no idea. But there's a lot of predestination that I'm shown. So what happened before my son... Before my son died, at least two years, two to three years before, he was still like a teenager, say like 19. He was just running with his friends and trying to figure things out. So he was, there wasn't really any signs of any problems. I went to a psychic down in Old Town Spring, and she has a shop there, and she's been there for a long time. And I went there because somebody I, one of my muses, a male muse that I have always had that I never got to meet, he died. And I saw his obituary. And I have never experienced loss. Both of my parents are alive. All my cousins are alive. I just haven't, I haven't had anything bad happen. I, I just really haven't had any things like this happen. And so my ex-husband and I even said, why not us? Instead of saying, why us, which is what we were saying, we said, why not us? Why wouldn't this happen to us? We've, we really have been coasting along, you know, jumping between the raindrops for a long time. So sure, you know, something did happen to us. But I went down to um, this psychic because this guy died. His name is Robert, and he was my muse, and I was hoping to meet him one day. And I find his obituary, and he died at 45, age 45. And I was just devastated. And I have never really been devastated or depressed or down. I'm pretty positive. And I just do all kinds of positive type work in my life and have for a long time to keep that flow going in the right direction. And uh, so I'm just really down. And so I said, I want to go, you know, talk, talk to a psychic, which I have never done before. So I went to talk with her and she looked at my hands and like read my palm. And she said, you have three kids and I have four kids. So when she said that, I said, oh, no, I have, I have four kids. And she was taken aback. Like, how can this be wrong? And I was taken aback, like, how could she say I have three kids when I have four? And um, I asked her a few more things, and I actually, she was right about them. And I actually saw almost like an invisible lightning bolt come down and hit her head from the ether for her to tell me uh, a couple of my answers to my questions. And I actually saw that information come in. It was really neat, and it was spot on. So she is, as, as far as I could tell, the real deal or a, a real genuine medium type. But so she says, I have three kids instead of four. That was the one thing that stu stood out back then. I thought, well, whatever. You know, I was glad to get the opportunity to have that. And, and I left. Well, there was that and maybe, maybe a couple other things that I don't really remember right now. But I now have three kids because one of my kids died which I don't know if that's connected or not but 
there was something about being depressed and somebody had died. And I find out she says, you know, she says you have three kids and her being taken aback that that was wrong information. Like she's usually not wrong. So for her, I obviously would know how many kids I've given birth to and that I'm taking care of. So I have four kids. So that was uh, some sort of thing. And then hindsight, looking at, back at my son and, and what he's done, there's something about it that feels almost predestined or something. I just don't know how to describe it, but well, I there certainly are, didn't see it. There's a lot of people on. that believe in that, you know, that it's all predestined, right. that we have a lot less choice and free will here than we think we do. So that's, that's even another conversation we could go into. I guess the question I was really going to ask you was about you. Why, why you? Not, I mean, yeah. everybody else would ask, why him? Why did he do this? Why did, but I'm curious if we, if it's all by perfect design, if you've ever sat with what this was for you, what this was meant to be for you, how this. Yes. How is this connected to me? Sure. Lots of thoughts on that. One, I'm a mother. And if you hear of somebody killing themselves, you might think, oh man, that person had probably had bad parents and like was drove to it like drove to being so suicidal. I would be devastated if somebody thought that about me and my kids. So that's another little selfish reason why I would like to share his story. If anybody reads the note, they'll clearly see it didn't have anything to do with me or how I parented or what I exposed him to. Everything was really, you know, decent in his life. Uh, as far as what he told me too, thank goodness. But um, this was very much not, you know, bad parenting or, you know, I, that, that concerns me because I, I do have other children and I, you know, I got up every single day of his life and this is the honest to God truth and did the best that I could as a mom. You know, why, why me? Um, he came into my life when I was a single teenager. I was 18 and he came into my life and like a, a ball of red energy, just like ready to take on, like he's the first at the bus stop and he's always up and he's independent and he'd get up at eight, like 8.01 every morning, the same time. And he got me to where, you know, I was an 18 year old girl and I bumped over to adulthood really quick because of the love of him, the love I had for him, the a desire to just do really good things for him and show him really good things. And um, he, he made me come alive. I do feel there was like life before him and then life after. And I cut off my, all my hair, like you see in the movie where you, just, you know, you cut off all your hair and I went natural to my natural color and was a new person after he came. So he, there's all kinds of things. Uh, he could have come to take out the schizophrenia that was in uh, my life, unfortunately, from my mom. Um, he's going to take it out, come in, scoop up, wrap it all up, and absolutely take it out uh, and get rid of the evil. I don't, I don't know if that was predestined um, because I was obviously with my mom, you know, uh, my whole life until Dallas came, until I gave birth to him. So lots of years of frustration built up inside of me mm -hmm. from having a schizophrenic mom in which nobody diagnosed until I made her go to the doctor at age 18. So I give birth to him. I'm a new person and I confront her and almost grab her and say, 
you're going to the doctor and I'm taking you and I'm going to tell them what you're saying and we're going to get answers here. So I took her, we got the diagnosis and that started making everything make much more sense as to how she operates. Because if you have a mom and she always tells the truth, but she's always speaking lies, but she's not a liar, because there's a liar type person, they they just lie and they make things up and you just kind of know that. She doesn't do that and she doesn't lie and she's not a liar type. She's kind of an unashamed of who she is type, put it all out there. So when she tells stories that aren't true, something's not right here. And that's what was connecting for me. I'm like, okay, mom, you're lying, but you're not a liar. So let's go figure out what this is called. And so I took her. Wow. But for all the years before, lots of things didn't make sense, you know, in her parenting style. So I had a lot of, I know that, that I had a lot of that built up inside. So maybe my son came in to take me away from that and like get on his bandwagon of energy that he was and just get on and soldier forward. I did feel very soldierish after he was born, like get up, do this thing called mom, <laughs> suck it up. And, you know, a lot of moms have to do that. There's a lot to do. So you don't get a lot of naps and stuff. Well, I think so. because of the theme of this show, because of the subject matter, we're going to get people who are dealing with schizophrenia. We're going to get parents who have um, ha- lost their children. I mean, this this way of losing a child is a mom's worst fear. So I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the important question what would you tell another mother? How on earth do you go on after something like this? Yeah. Um, I got together all the pictures that I could. I took all his things and washed them and put them all together near me. So, um, he had gone through this phase where he had gotten dirt, really quite dirty and just didn't bathe and uh, the grooming habits went down. So I took all his things and and cleaned them. I kept them near me. Of course, people came around that um, had good memories. I I just try to think he was funny. We had a lot of inside jokes, um, just a a lot of funny things that we laughed at. And so I think of those, Um, but you know, I don't, I don't know because I, I don't know that I'm doing a great job of, of getting through it, that I do have other children, so that forces me to get up and put on that smile. I have that to do, which is just pragmatic. Um, maybe a parent who only had one child and then the child died like this. Gosh, I couldn't even imagine because I'm not like a therapist or anything like that, so I wouldn't have really good tools my my one of my instincts is to find whenever I see guys that are about his age 22 I almost want to run up and just grab them if they're about his size or wearing he always wore hoodies if they're wearing a hoodie I want to like run up and just say do you need a sandwich or chips or anything (laughs) sunny boy I I don't know how you would even feel fill the the void um for somebody else uh, my daughter looks very similar to him. They have like the same face, but she's a girl. I can just look at her, and she's a few years younger than him. And they were best friends, so having her and she knows all the inside jokes, and so she can laugh about them with me. Having the people next to me who have, are also going through it, and having them to talk to—that's what's getting me through. 
there's a part of me who must be the the inner uh, maybe emotional center or something she sings she um is very intuitive um she's just really kind of brilliant and I, I don't know but she's been shut down for quite some time she's in a ball in a corner in a black room with the door closed and she hasn't moved in quite some time i hope she i hope to do something with that but I hope to help you do something with that. I think it's wonderful that we live close together and that I have this beautiful healing community and I really feel called to to work with you when you're ready and help you open her up so that she can come back because he didn't want you to lock that up. And I think it's natural. We go through the grieving process and a lot of things get put back for a while because we're just not ready for them right now. We're, we're grieving and whatever that looks like and however long that takes. But we all know when we're at that point where we can, you know, wave a flag or something and say, I'm over here. Can you send in help? Can you send in mm-hmm. something? Um, and, and, you know, Mario and I are definitely here for you. Thank you. That's also what gets me through. It's just people who are willing to listen and, and say things like that. And that's yeah, you- great. You know, Stephanie, one of the things, uh, I know it's not the same, but when my brother got killed, it was, like I told you before, when we first met, it really changed my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, I just feel, you know, right now I can completely understand the sadness. It took me a while to move through my brother. Yeah. So I can only imagine. Do you feel guilty liking, th- I feel guilty having any type of real fun. I put on a smile and try to make some jokes um but it's challenging just... it's challenging you know but what what got me through it you you said something about your son that was very similar to my brother my brother was a big jokester he he liked to have fun mm-hmm. and <laughs> i know deep down inside uh i did i also did a lot of healing work as you know too and mm-hmm. one of the things that got me through about just that about <laughs> having fun is that how yeah. would if I wasn't having fun it's like he would have been pretty upset at me <laughs> so I took that yeah. and just turned it around and really looked at it and I go no he would want me to enjoy some of it but you know we have to get through that grieving process first and make sure that we have accepted where, where things have been and it and trust me as sudden as your your son was away my brother was taken away and but with his was unfortunately an accident too. So did you have a lot of questions? Many. And yeah. that's, that's where a lot of the work, uh, th- that's where a lot of the healing work that I did, you know, and I did go to therapy for a couple of months, but really after that, I did a lot of the shamanic work and a lot of the energy work and a lot of the different type of things that you hear on the show. Yeah. And, and a lot of that helped. And, you know, you, Cheryl and I are here, a phone call away if you ever need us. Just know that. Um, I feel like I've already had a couple of dreams that Dallas has come to me to let me know he's okay. They just feel really different than other um, dreams. One of them, um, have you ever seen that movie? Maybe, Mario, you have. It's um, actually in South America, and I think it's called Apocalypto. Or oh, Apoc- yes. A- yeah, the Is mind- that right? Yeah, Apocalypto, it's about the Mayans and really the yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what they see in the panther and all the spirits, yes. Yes, okay. Do you remember um, the guy left his wife in a hole? She's pregnant, and he put her in a hole, 
and covered it up. Yes. To keep her safe while he had to go fight um, some stuff. Well, my son put me in a, and I was in a dream and he put me in a, I'm in a hole like that. I'm in that hole. And he came up to the edge of the hole and was like, Hey, you know, like hang in there. I'm pack, I'm packing heat now. Don't worry. I'm packing heat. And I was like, Oh, okay. Can I like get out of this hole? (laughs) Like I'm in a hole, (laughs) but you know, and then he like runs off and I'm in the hole. So uh, that was just kind of like, okay, well, he's doing some work now. He's got some tools, like guns or whatever you might say, in this inner battle that he's dealing with. And that's about all I got that time. And then I got one um, here recently that was a little bit more more specific about, not about the hole or anything like that, but it was just more specific about him. And it woke me up one morning and it was just really, it was really joyous to, to get it from him because no matter how many times people say nice things to me and are helpful and all this, I'm really appreciative of it. But when it's him and it's deeper like that and it's very specific to something only he could know, then it's just so much more healing because then I'm like, okay, it's not just me trying to make myself feel better. It's, it's real and I'm okay to be okay and he's okay and everything's going to be okay. Or well, it just feels... I just want to tell you, in the shamanic realm, the dream world is the real world. And right. it, they live in the reverse. They, that is when the veil is, is pulled away and we are connected to all that is. So yeah. what we perceive as dreams, I believe you're communicating with him. He's communicating with you using symbols and, and, right. and, and ways that he can. I could have three can. dreams like this in my life, and they will might equal 300 uh uh, conversations with people. Yeah. You well, know what I mean? and there's, there's so much, that's what I'm saying. There's, they mean so much more to me than even a hundred conversations with well-meaning people. But the dream like that, because it's just so, it has that visceral feeling to it and all that, that deep, you know, layers of meaning and you feel it inside like, wow, something deeper is going on here. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad he connects with you in that way. And it, and I believe that what he was showing you in the dream was that he did what he did to keep you in a safe place to protect you, that that was truly what he believed for all of you. Like he did what he did so that life could go on here. He took on yeah. what he took on so that you guys could carry on. And in that sense, that's the place that you can come from to let that voice back out, let that singing back out, let to to express your joy. That's why he wanted to do what he did was so that you could fully live. And that's yeah. what's on the other side of, of some healing for you, because I think it's important to him that you do that. I do too, in a bigger way. There's some deep guilt wrapped up in here of um, mm-hmm. thinking my son came here to this planet to save us or took some evil out to keep us well or both all of the above and uh so there's this reverence i have for like a, a superhero so I'm, I'm like on one hand i want to super cry 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 because he's gone and it's just so sad that he was so young and then on the other hand like my son's like thor or something like he he's like came in and figured this thing out to the best of his ability and then took out you know it's weird because <laughs> When I conceived him, I was told to wear red that night, 
you know, by my inner voice, like wear this outfit and it was red. And then <laughs> there's all these re- for references to red. Then after I found out he died, I just kept seeing like a red ball of light just going here, like on the astral plane or just wherever it was going from here to there. And my relatives were saying that they would have lights flickering in their house and my, you know, uh, sockets in the wall were like, one of them caught on fire in my ex-husband's house. He had to put out the fire and, you know, it, it was like this red ball of light going around. And he said that, you know, like this demon's name is Red. And it just seems like he came in to take out like Red equals like fire or anger or the red planet, which is what Aries is there. You know, they represent like Mars, the red planet, the god of war. And it's like he came in to take out anger and, you know, fighting and, all that which is like red and like you know I guess you could say negative or forceful and and he came to like take it all out I guess I don't know that's one way of looking at it like in you know keep us safe and I also was hit by a red truck one one year I was driving along coming home from Lone Star College and I was on the feeder road and I look up in my rearview mirror and I thought oh wow that truck's coming awfully and that's the last thing I remember. And it was a red truck coming really fast at me, like ready to hit me. And it hit me. I woke up with amnesia in the hospital, St. Luke's, or actually it was Memorial Hermann. And I couldn't remember anything. And it slowly everything came back to me. But it was a hit and run. Like this red energy has been trying to take me out for some time or something. And it was very strange. That did happen. That was about 1997 when that happened. And my son was born in 1995. He wasn't with me during this wreck. He was visiting his grandma at the time. Yeah, it looks like you have a lot of symbolism going I'm trying, on. I'm trying because to mm. think that your son just dies and then you just have, oh, okay, you know, you have to look around to try to, if no, no answers are just apparent, you have to sit and go deep, get quiet and listen to what you're shown. And so I've been shown all this red this red symbolism. My mom has red hair, and her nickname is Red. Yeah. And this sort of yeah, and those are yeah. the times when we just sometimes have to sit back and just kind of listen. I know. I feel silly even sharing with this kind of stuff with people because these are the symbols that I get in my deeper, you know, questioning, and they don't really mean anything to anybody else. You know, they're they're just very specific to me, and don't want other people to trivialize my symbols. You well, know, that's the important thing share. about symbolism is symbols are only, you know, people will go, oh yeah, you've, if you've got that animal medicine, you need to look it up in that animal medicine book. Well, yeah, that's a good place to start, but it's, well, it's about what it means to me. It's not about what it means to the guy that wrote the book or somebody else. And that's true of all symbolism. So I'm yeah. glad that you're taking those yeah. internally for what they mean for you. I'm afraid we're about out of time here, but before we Aww. close, I'd just like to ask you if you have a parting thought that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Well, I just really appreciate um, you giving us or giving me the chance to share my story and the story about Dallas. And I hope that anybody listening, um, I'd love to, I don't know if they're allowed to leave comments or something like that on your blog or um, I would just love for somebody to get something positive out of this story, walk away with anything. The the one thing too about um, seeing the signs ahead of time of maybe schizophrenia coming on and then maybe doing something. Um, Maybe I would say 
I, I wish maybe I would have done more. Now, I would have had to physically wrestle my son and get the cops involved. If you guys really knew his personality, you'd understand. He wasn't going to go to the doctor. So there would have, my ex-husband and I were plotting to go do an intervention with authorities or, you know, like physically get ready to make this thing happen. And then he, he did what he did. We felt like he probably felt us closing in on him because we saw him going downhill. You don't just watch your child go downhill and not bathe for two months and just, you know, not do something, but you also have to give people their free will to decide for themselves, and he was not having any of it. So we were teetering, so I just don't know if, you know, if somebody sees these kind of signs of somebody really deteriorating, but they don't speak of suicide directly, they may be contemplating suicide um, deep down and maybe ask those questions a little bit more. I wish I would have asked more questions about um, suicide, or are you thinking of suicide, or something direct like that? I just didn't have that frame of reference because, right. again, I haven't really had anything bad happen in my life, and I try not to go into negative places. So I, I feel like I should have said a little bit more. Maybe I could have gotten more direct information from him about, you know, some of the messages he was getting. Well, that's really good advice, Stephanie. Thank you. And I, again, I'm sorry that you've been through this, but thank you for being brave and sharing your, sharing his story, sharing your story and sharing your tips. And I really appreciate you being with us today. And if you're listening to the show, let me know what you thought of the show. And please do leave comments if you're visiting through the blog so that Stephanie will see those as well. And we will be back next week with another episode of Exploring Possibilities.